Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke as I bring a concluding message in this series called Getting Ready for the Harvest, the fourth message in the series. And um, say, why are you preaching on getting ready for the harvest? Because (laughs) we need to get ready for the harvest. What harvest? Harvest of souls. As Wally prayed just before, there is a great deluge of souls that are coming into the kingdom and has been, but I felt the Lord speak to me to say that you're not quite ready, but get the people ready for the harvest. Jesus said to his disciples, say not four more months and then the harvest. It's a picture of well-meaning Christians now to say, well, you know, one day there's going to come a great deluge. The Gentiles, the fullness of the Gentiles. Yeah, there's going to come the fullness of the Gentiles, but there's a harvest now. People are getting saved now, and God's looking for us to go into the highways and byways and compel people to come in. And so in the same way that you would get ready to go fishing, that was one of the illustrations I use. You make sure your nets are mended and you got everything together. If you're, if you're getting a line wet and you're, you're fly fishing, you have to change your line periodically. You can't just use the same old rotten line, you'll break. And there's just different things you can do to get ready for fishing. Well, and the same is true in the kingdom of God. We need to be prepared. We need to be mindful. And there are hundreds and hundreds of people that have been giving their hearts to Jesus And it's not going to stop, but I do believe the best is just ahead. Luke chapter 15 and the final message entitled, Paying the Price. Reading from the New International Version and remain standing if you're able to. Luke 15, starting at verse 1, New International Version, and you should have notes and you can fill those in as we move along. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, quote, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way. Everybody say in the same way. In the same way. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous person who do not need to repent. Verse 8. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins. And loses one. Does she, doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way. Everybody say, in the same way. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Father, I thank you for what you've done over these numbers of weeks as we've looked into the preparation and preparing and raising our, raising our awareness for the lost, and getting ready for a great harvest. 
And I ask God that you would move in great power right now. Would you just lift your voice and ask God to speak to you? Lord, speak to each and every one of us out of the volume of your word. I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay yet again. And Lord, that it would burn faith in the hearts of each and every person here. That we would be changed and the effects of this service would be far-reaching even to eternity in the name of Jesus. Say hi to two or three people and say, oh, it's going to be good. Go ahead, tell them. And you may be seated. Christianity is is unique to all other religions of the world. Say Christianity is unique. Christianity is unique. There's no other religion like Christianity. All other religions are man trying to reach God. That is not the way it is in the God of the Bible. All other religions are man reaching up, hoping to become like him or trying to remember that they were him that forgot. I have a problem with a God that forgot his God. I'm just saying. I've got a lot of problems with a lot of that. But Christianity is God's reaching down for you and me. He comes to seek and save the lost. And that is a unique revelation. It really is. There is no other religion like it. In Genesis chapter 3 and 9, Adam and Eve, they've sinned. They've, they've, broken, the, they've broken the command to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they do it, and then God comes looking for him in verse 9 and says, Adam, where are you? It's a beautiful picture of the heart of God. He's constantly looking. He's constantly searching. He's the seeking God. There's parables that talk about him, certainly here, a picture of how God of all time in history will look for you, will look for me, looks for the lost, looks for the hurting. God is a seeking God. And Jesus' mission as God slash man, he's the God man. What do you mean by that? He's fully God and he's fully man. Come on, someone say it. He's fully God and fully man is seen in the parables to redeem the lost. That's what these parables are about. They're about the harvest. They're about the lost. And what's fascinating also is that it went contrary to the religious attitude of Jesus' day. Well, what do you mean? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the couldn't sees, wouldn't sees, the religious people, <laughs> you'll get that on the way home. They, they, made, they were so afraid of breaking the law that they made laws outside the law so you didn't actually break the law. Those laws outside the law are called the oral traditions. And so a part of the oral traditions, you didn't eat or spend any time with sinners. That, you just didn't do that. Now, there is a principle in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, the bad company corrupts good's character, that's for sure. But, but that's, that's, that's not what Jesus is doing here. He's spending time with sinners because he loves them. He's not being polluted by them. He's impacting them and transforming them. You say, well, I spend time with sinners too. I'm glad you do. I hope you're impacting them and not being infected by them. We'll get there a little bit later. But one of those oral traditions that they had was that you don't spend any time with a sinner or a tax collector, and Jesus did both. He did both. So he was very irritating, breaking their oral traditions. And they really... They really forgot that the law 
is more than external, it's, it's internal. The sin comes from the human heart. And even though they might have the, the, the cup clean on the outside, the inside was filled with dead men bones, as Jesus said. And the Pharisees believed that sinners, I'm not joking, they believed that sinners should be burned. That's what they believed. I mean, that's pretty intense. And I will say that who you're associated with in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, who you're associated with will certainly help you. I've enjoyed spending time over the past years getting to know you, Wally, and your, and your wife and your whole family. You're such a blessing. I've learned from you. One of the things that will forever stay in my mind out of our relationship is you trumpeting with that loud preacher's voice of yours, you can do anything. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. I mean, it echoes in my mind. So, so much so that when I had a problem with my truck and my air conditioning went out and they wanted to hack off an arm and a leg to pay for it, I decided I have the mind of Christ and perhaps I can figure it out myself. I had a little bit of time. Oh no, need to replace the whole, need to replace the whole uh, compressor. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the clutch is gone, but you need to replace the whole thing. And I'm like, uh, okay. But I, I read a little bit. I talked to him. He said, no, you can replace the clutch. So I got under there. Now, granted, it took me twice as long as a normal mechanic because I'm a backyard mechanic, and I was, using, I was using a wrench for a screwdriver. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I had some issues. But you know what happened? I fixed it. I fixed it, and four years later, it still works. Imagine that. Come on. So that is a result, one of the many results I've had by spending time with somebody who can just fix anything. And if you don't know it, well, he can fix anything. There's nothing you can't do. You have the mind of, come on, someone say, I have the mind of Christ. So when you spend time with people that, that it's, you can do it, you can overcome, you're more than a conqueror, you spend time with visionaries, you spend time with people full of faith, it gets on you. But in the same way, like a secondhand smoke, you can spend time with people that are no good for you. You can spend time with naysayers and backbiters and gossipers, and you know what'll happen? It can get on you. You say, you say I shouldn't spend any time with sinners? No, you should, but you should have an impact. You say, well, I hang out. Well, listen, when you're hanging out with them, I mean, if, they, if, nobody, if nobody spends any time with sinners, how, how'd you all get here? <laughs> somebody encouraged you, somebody reached to you. Don't be polluted by them, impact them with the gospel. Can you say amen? amen? If you're hanging out, you be sure that you're sharing the love of God. Otherwise, you're going to fall into the same pit that they're in. If you're committed to seeing them saved, then go get them. But if you're wishy-washy in your walk with the Lord, you might want to make sure you get solidified on the rock. And learn his word before you plunge into the same dissipation that they're in. Well, let's look at the parables here. There's two of three parables on the lost being found. The first one is the lost sheep. Jesus tells the story. He's rebuking them, and he's sharing really the heart of God. He tells the story of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep but one. One is lost. And he says, won't he go out and, and, and get that one? Won't, won't he go out and get them and put them over his shoulder and bring them home? And there'll be great rejoicing. And of course he would. He leaves the 99 to, to save the one. And the, the, the second parable is the lost coin. 
She lit a lamp and she sweeps the floor and she looks for the coin and she finds it and she tells all her neighbors, oh, I found my silver coin. The point in both parables is the same, that there's a rejoicing in heaven when a sinner repents. That is the point of these parables. And you have to know to the first century Jew, listening to them, they were were just like blown away. What? It just seems so foreign to them. What's so sad is that we often forget that there ought to be rejoicing when someone's saved. You know, I've I've said it before here, but by the end of the service, we're going to give an opportunity for you to get right with God. That is not the opportunity for you who are right with God to go use the facilities or go warm up your car. It's the opportunity for all of us at that moment to engage, to press in, to pray that the blinding assignment of the God of this age would be lifted off of others and people would come to Christ. And when they do, when they do, when they repent, when the coin is found, when the sheep comes home, there ought to be a rejoicing that takes place in the church. You say, well, that that happens here. It happens for most, I think. But I, I think we just need to emphasize a little bit because it's important. The reason we're here, the reason we're in this building, the reason we're building our new building is because there's lost, hurting, broken people that God's trying to reach through you and me. And we ought to be mindful of that and rejoice when they come on. Somebody say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice means to spin like a top. Now don't start spinning around when people get saved. That might be a little weird, but, but we, we also have known some others that have spun. Repentance is the key to no longer being lost. I I had you repeat it, verse 7, in the same way there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons. Verse 10 of the parable of the lost coin, in the same way, when it says in the same way, is tying them together. Parables are spoken to hide truth from casual observers. But he releases it to the hungry and the thirsty. And these parables are pretty simple to break down. God's not obligated to speak to you today, even though you came to church. And I'm glad you did. I'm glad you came. But he speaks to those who are hungry and thirsty. And he spoke in parables. Verse 10, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. Did you hear that? Rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. You'll see it throughout the New Testament. And I want you to take a look at some of these. Go to Mark chapter 1. It's the first message that Jesus preaches here in Mark. And what does he say in verse 15? The time has come, he says, Mark 1 and 15. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Everybody say repent. Repent and believe the good news. In Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Spirit had just taken place. Peter comes out, once terrified by a girl at a fire, now comes out full of zeal, full of passion, and he preaches. And in verse 38 of his message, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's telling them what? He's telling them to repent. Verse 40, and with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. 
Those who accepted his message were baptized. That's a picture of repentance. We did baptisms at the lake yesterday. We did baptisms at the lake, which were fantastic. I had the ingenious idea. Actually, it wasn't mine. Somebody told me about it. I thought it was an ingenious idea, but I learned otherwise. I'm going to wear waders to stand in the cold Wasilla Lake. And, uh, and really isn't all that cold anyway. But, you know, after you baptize 16 to 20 people or whatever, and you, you might get a little chilly. So we put on waders. I've never done that before. I always brave the elements with, with you out there. And uh, some of those elements are right here in our tank. Um, we've had the tank so hot that some, like me, have been scalded and we had to cool it down. And then we've had it so cold. I, we've had it so cold in the dead of winter. It had to be 30, had to be 40 degrees. So cold, I can't feel my legs by the time I'm... And, and some of you think, like, oh, pastor's getting touched by the Lord. I don't get touched by the Lord. It's freezing. I would stand with one knee out because it hurt so bad on my joint. So, so yesterday, we're there and we're baptizing people. And uh, it's a baptism as an outward sign of, of what's taking place on the inside. And I use the illustration of my marriage. I made vows and oaths between the Lord and Pastor Karen, and I meant them, and I'll keep them till death do us part gladly. And I have a wedding band that is a picture of the vows I make. Getting baptized is a command, but you're not safe. How many of you know you're not married if you put on a wedding band? That's not what marries you. What marries you is your vow, your oath that you made between your spouse and, and the Lord. Some more than a legal document, but it does include the legal document. Come on, somebody say Amen. Him, I'm married before the Lord. <laughs> Raise your hands and just give God the praise right now. Amen. We're married in the sight of God. Yeah, God gives institutions and laws, and uh, it's, it's not like that. I can tell I've offended a few people. Welcome to Kings. We're so glad you're here. It's a whole nother message. So we're baptizing people. It's an outward sign of what took place. And I asked them before we baptized, are you going to follow Jesus? You believe that Jesus died? You believe he rose again? If you made a decision to live for him, you can live for him all of your life? Yes, yes, yes. If any of the answers is no during that time, we helped them get out of the lake. And I was very grateful that we have helped everybody and they had made decisions and nobody had to get out of the lake without being baptized. But I had waders on and as they went down, I started filling my waders with water. So next time, how many of you know waders are good until you go over the top of your waders? In Acts chapter three, so baptism, baptism is a picture of repentance. It's a picture of death, dying to your old life, coming up, resurrected, brand new, a new, cre is there anybody in here that's a new creation? The old is gone, the new has come. Come on, woo, isn't it? Do you remember what it was like to be broken and lost? Do you remember what it, don't ever forget it. Spiritual amnesia is a recipe for death. Don't forget what God delivered you from. Acts three and verse 19, repent then, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. You see, your sins are not wiped out just because Jesus died on a cross and rose again. That's not what wipes out your sins. That's part of the equation. The other part of the equation is you need to repent. And I found people say, well, I tried Christianity. It didn't work for me. That's because I don't think you maybe, maybe you didn't really repent. How do you know someone repented? Because when they're born again, their life changes. They, 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 they act differently. There's something different now. The process, as I've been teaching you oh, over the years, that process of becoming more like God is a process of sanctification. That takes 
Well, as long as you, as long as you live, it's a process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And some people are sanctified quicker than others. I think it's dependent upon how quick you die to yourself. It's me like, I love you, Lord. And then you got this other part over here that just wants to go dancing. Whatever. Not that dancing's evil intrinsically, but you understand what I'm saying. I worship you. Come on, reckon you die. Come on, reckon yourself dead to sin. Okay. Acts 17, verse 30. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands that all people everywhere repent. The apostle Paul telling people of Athens to repent, repent. Acts 26 and verse 20. I appreciate they should repent and turn to God. This is the Apostle Paul again before Agrippa and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. Well, we should probably all read that again. I preached Acts 26, verse 20. I appreciate they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. Everybody say repent. Come on, look at your neighbor and say repent. You know you wanted to say that the whole time. Picture of a guy standing with a sandwich board, turn or burn. God's heart is to seek the lost. I said, God's heart is for the lost. And I will tell you that that is what this church is all about. It's about reaching the lost at any cost. It's why we do what we do. And I've found over the years, been pastoring for almost 25 years. That crazy, Pastor Brent, isn't it? Almost 25 years I've been pastoring, I think 24. And over all those years, I've seen churches rise. I've seen them fall. But I've seen well-meaning churches. In other words, it's not immorality that caused them to fall. Unless, of course, well. Well, I mean, what I'm saying, it's not a sexual sin. I've seen churches fade away because they lost their heart for the lost. They lost their heart for reaching out. Listen, this is why we're here. This is why we're here. We're here to reach the lost. We're here to make disciples. We're here to equip the saints for the work of ministry. We're here to, and to teach you to reach them. You know, we're, we've got a visitation campaign coming up in mid-September. You say, what's that about? We will visit every, and I, listen close, every single house in the state of Alaska, we're going to visit them. You say, how are you going to do that? One house at a time. And our church has gotten much larger than it's ever been before. There's a lot of people that can help. We're well over a thousand people. You'd not know that from this first service. But if, if you would partner with us and believe, you say, well, I don't want to do that. I'm, I've got work. Yeah, there's a price to pay. Aren't you glad that somebody paid the price to reach you? God is speaking to us through this passage. Individually, we need to repent. All of us need to repent. If you stop and think about it, you probably did something this week that you need to repent for. And if you have a viable relationship with the Lord, he's probably already talked to you about that. 
But there are times where I get so busy that maybe I did something that I don't realize it until maybe I'm coming into his presence or he just quickens me and the Holy Spirit puts his finger on stuff and says, you had an attitude problem right there. Or Pastor Karen, who's the fourth part of the Trinity, comes and helps me. No, I mean that in the best of ways. I do. We help each other. She's like, you have an attitude problem. Oh. And um, occasionally I get to do the same thing to her. That's, and, and I've heard times where you've talked to uh, Uncle Wally. He needed the correction. We need that. We all need that. Just think about this. I was talking with Pastor Karen prior to coming here, conclusion, my notes, and just thinking about it. And I remember uh, there was a time of intensity in, in ministry, and, uh, which is all the time. And uh, I, I saw our dear sister, Dee. And you looked upset, and I wasn't sure if I did it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You, come on, when you saw somebody this morning, you're like, hey, Eric, hey. You, there, there's a, you can tell if somebody's warm to you or, there, or, or there's something off or maybe there's a problem. You, you, you know, we, we do that and you greet one another. So when I saw Dee, she didn't look all happy to see me, you know, and I, I was like, oh, hope I didn't step on her toes and do something wrong. So I, I just checked. So I said, are we good? He says, oh, I have a migraine, Pastor. I'm like, oh, well, let me pray for you. So I realized that's me checking with thee to make sure we're good. So if you would do that with some, and in marriage, how many of you know, it requires ongoing relationship, ongoing relationship and, 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 and communication so that when you look at your spouse, you look at your spouse and she looks back at you. You can tell if someone's spirit is cut off towards you. And in marriage, if it's the man that's seemingly cut off, it's probably because he's felt disrespected. And if it's the woman, it's probably because you did something that she didn't feel loved. If I've done something that didn't make you feel loved, would you forgive me, please? Why would you do that? Because if you don't, then your marriage is going to start getting hard-hearted. Your relationship will start getting hard-hearted. And soon you won't have close, a closeness in your spirit with your spouse. Now, you want to tell me how it's different with the Lord? How could it possibly be different with the Lord? It is not different. So you only need to repent once. No. There's conversion. There's a moment of repentance and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's a lifestyle, living a lifestyle of brokenness and humility before God. When he puts his finger on things, be quick to, be quick to repent. Amen. That, that's how you stay in a viable relationship with the Lord. It's one of the reasons it's so important that you come in and hear a message like, oh, he's preaching on the lost coin again. Truth is, I can't remember the last time I have preached on it. Oh, he's preaching on salvation and repentance. Wish there was something deep. Is there anything deeper? It's a very simple message, simple parables. But if you apply it to your life, it's so important to come to the house of the Lord to, so that the word of the Lord can cut through all of the fog and he can begin to put his finger on things and says, yeah, that wasn't right. You need to repent. And then you, you lovingly come to him. He's not trying to beat you up, but he will convict you. It will put his finger on things in your life that are not right. And if you don't, 
The same in every relationship. If you allow for things to get involved, you'll hurt the person, they'll offend the person. If you don't repent and fix that, then that's gonna get, it's gonna get bad. It's not gonna get better. It's not gonna get warmer. Come on, all the, all the husbands said amen. amen. All the wives said amen. amen. All the single people said amen. And all the children said We must repent. God's speaking to us individually. The yielding to your flesh when no one was watching and you did your little thing. Let me tell you who's watching. The Lord's there. He sees. Has anybody ever been lost? I was trying to recall a time where I was lost. I don't mean lost spiritually. I mean physically lost like a kid. You know, you got lost down the street or... And I don't really have any trauma that's coming up for me about being lost. But how many of you ever, you know, your parents said, walk home and take the left and the right and we'll see you. And you went to walk home and you went right and then left. And you went the wrong way and you ended up lost. Has anybody ever been that? Do you remember the fear? Do you remember as a little kid and maybe you knocked on someone's door? God forbid you do that. Don't do that now. Don't send your kids walking home. Or they don't, don't do that. Send them two by two. Just go pick them up. Come on, somebody say Amen. But do you remember ever being lost? You can't find your way. You can't find your way home. I've seen and helped children. I remember we've had some outreaches uh, at our egg hunt where there's thousands of people, thousands of people. And we've had children, parents that have lost their kids and had kids that are, they're terrified. They're so scared. And we tell them, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And then we get on a microphone and that happens occasionally. We're glad it doesn't happen a lot. Do you remember what it was like when you didn't know the Lord? Do you remember what it was like to lie in your bed at night and maybe hear voices or be tormented? Do you remember what it was like to feel alone in the midst of a crowd? You say, I still feel that way, but you don't have to stay that way. You can be healed. You can, you can be forgiven. You can be healed. You can be redeemed. You, be, you can be cleansed. Come on, don't ever forget what it was like before you knew the Lord. Okay, you're saved 40 years. Wonderful. Praise God. I'm so glad. Don't ever forget what it was like to be separated from God. Everybody say repent. And we must rejoice. We must rejoice in God. We must rejoice in people coming to the Lord. It is absolutely the most incredible miracle that could happen is salvation. It's the greatest miracle there is. Sometimes it's hard Sometimes it's hard for, for you, perhaps, when you see somebody in church that you don't care for. Or you see somebody in church that did you wrong. I can't believe they're coming. I think you maybe should remember where you came from. Oh, they're sitting in my seat. Oh, they took my parking space. Somebody you had a run-in with, and now they're coming here. Let me just tell you that soon the entire community will be here. So I would highly advise you just fix your fences and repent and ask people to forgive you and let, let, let other people off. But some people need to be sued. Don't, don't get me wrong. No, there's abusers, so, you know, we don't allow that. You're going to come in here and fleece the sheep and take advantage of people. We will minister to you in a special way. 
You no longer, you'll have to repent. You can't come in here and do that. You can't come in here and do whatever you want here. How many of you know that's good? And some people don't stop until they go to jail and they get to think about it. And I don't have no problem suing someone. We've had some theft over at the building. So I want you to begin to pray that they get arrested. We've already prayed for Emrons and whatever kind of special things the Lord would want to help them with. I mean, just pray they die. No, you know not what spirit you're of. You pray for them to be saved and repent. Come on, some of you used to rip off people. Oh, okay, I'm going over here. Some of you, you, some of you still owe people money. You should pay it back with interest. Thieves. Anyway, we've had some theft, and uh, it's been rather challenging. We have security and all kinds of things there, and it's been a, there's been a lot of theft at our building. Police know about it. I would highly advise those of you that might be listening, perhaps online, I wouldn't do that again. That would be a really bad idea. And I would highly advise you return everything you stole. You'll stand before, you'll stand before the court of heaven, but we'll also put you in court and sue you and put you in jail. Can't hardly wait to do it. Even if you do repent, you're in trouble. <laughs> Let's have a praise break. Amen. Praise God. Listen, if you're a believer, it doesn't mean that you let people run over your stuff. Come on, it doesn't mean you let people take advantage of you. You just forgive them and then have them arrested. And we will extend mercy as God leads us to. Blessed are the merciful. Can you say amen? But it's important that we rejoice and not get angry when your ex-husband, ex-wife, when your next-door neighbor comes and comes to the church. You know why? Because they're coming. Why is that? Because we are having an impact. We're reaching the lost, and soon they'll be here. And so when that happens, are you just going to drive them? I can't believe you're in my church. my church. What? Get a grip. Forgive them. Repent and rejoice that they're here, that they would hear the good news of Jesus. You know, when we're like that, we're not really far from being a Pharisee. I got like three amens. I'm going to go back here and encourage myself. Amen, pastor. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Come on, lift your hand and say, I don't want to be a Pharisee. All right. Point the finger at people. And always remember when you point the finger at someone, there's three pointing back at you. As a church, we must focus on the lost being found. Please don't ever get tired of inviting people. And don't ever get tired of us inviting you to serve. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And discipleship is more than just about learning the word. It's learning and doing. We've been doing a series out of the book of James. I can't wait till tonight. I'll continue on the book of James. But if you just learn the word, there's this mentality. You know what it is? It's a, a spirit of Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> Feed me. Feed me. <laughs> you guys ever saw Star Wars? Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt. Feed me. Feed me, feed me, feed me. He just constantly wants to be fed. That is the Western church. 
give me more messages, give me more books, give me more stuff, but there's not a wave of evangelism in a correspondence and in obeying God's word and living for God. Come on, if you love him, you'll obey his word. So there, yes, I hope you're fed. I pray that you're fed. I, I work hard to put together messages and we pray every morning that you would be fed, but then you would grow to become big and strong in God. That you'd get filled with the Spirit and that your life would be an example of, of what it is to be redeemed, to be healed, to be cleansed. Can you say amen? amen? We must focus on the lost being found. It was meeting with my staff this week and worship team, would you come? Meeting with my staff this week. and Got Dr. Morocco on the phone who's been my pastor for all these years and he's our senior global pastor and we got him on speakerphone and uh, asked him to pray for our, we had a, a, a six-month planning time. And he says, I'm going to pray, but first let me say that when you get into the building, your new building, you move in. You have one moment. You have one moment to gather that harvest of people that come in and to connect with them, and to build relationship with them, and to, and to allow them the privilege of serving one moment. Because if you lose that moment, it's difficult to get those moments back. We will double in size nearly overnight. I'm prophesying to you, we will double in size nearly overnight. That means our ushers need to double. That means our, our security needs to double, and it has, and it will. That means we need multiple people on the worship team. And as we continue to grow, it will end up having seven services. Well, how are you gonna do that? With, with a lot of teams. Our children's church, kids, King's Kids, you learn to serve in there. If you're, if you're qualified, you're gonna give you a, a, some tests, and. Take a background check. If you're going to fail, then just don't apply. There's, there's another place to serve, but it won't be there. I know it almost sounds like a joke, but I'm not joking. How many of you know some people are disqualified from children's ministry? All right, but you're not disqualified from heaven. You repent. Some people are disqualified from, from things because of their past behavior. You say, are they, aren't they forgiven? Are you forgiven, but there's boundaries. You're forgiven if you've repented. I've had to forgive people that didn't repent. Listen, you have to forgive. All right. Don't ever lose or focus on why we're here. We're here to reach the lost. How will that happen? By a company of people the same way it's been happening. But we're going to continue to grow. And don't ever get, don't ever get tired of people recruiting you. And me telling you, you can do it. Come on, get involved. Go to Discover Track. If you haven't been to Discover Track, would you go through it? You can start basically at any time during the month, first four weeks. If you haven't been there, go. It's at 9.45 every Sunday morning. So you missed it for this week, but you can be there next week. Again, mid-September, we're going to visit every home in the state. We will start visiting every home in the state. Why? Gosh, I think I started saying this, but I didn't finish. I've seen churches over my 20-something years of pastoring where they were flourishing at one moment, and then they drop down, and they dissipate, and they close. And it's not because the pastor committed sin or there's some fraud or something like that. That happens also, unfortunately. But I've seen churches that didn't have that happen, and they still faded and disappeared. Do you know why? Because they lost 
the reason they're there. It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry is to reach the lost. We are here for the lost. Don't ever lose that. Pray that your whole family is saved and pray that God gives you a burden and then participate in reaching them through your prayer, through your giving. Churches just don't grow. Healthy churches grow. If a church isn't growing, it's not healthy. And there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. Pastor Kirsten has been serving along with a team of people. It's like his second job. Like he needed the second one. He's serving at night, working through the night to provide additional security, but laying all the cabling for our cameras and our internet. That is outside the bounds of what he's paid for. And the truth is, none of us are here for a paycheck. You're doing that under the Lord. You're serving. And because he's doing that, we're gonna, we're saving money and we're doing different things we can. On and on and on, people going the extra mile. There's a price to pay. The church, the kingdom of God has expanded through violence. And unless you have a fire on the inside of you to press in, to pray, to give, to serve, there's a price to pay. Many, many churches don't wanna grow bigger. You know why? It's a lot of work. But you know what? It's a reasonable thing we should do considering what Jesus has done. Come on, I don't wanna ever have a church disease called 99-itis. You know what that is? That's where you hang with the 99 and I don't know where the one is. We wanna be a personal church and we are, we're trying to. We have a whole department called a connect department. You know what they do? They connect. They go out and they visit, they search for lost sheep on a dark and a cloudy day, which is over the past eight weeks, it's been dark and cloudy. And they've been doing that. They have a whole department, full-time staff that visits every single day, shooting for 20 families a day, 100 families a week. So if you're missing three or 400, oh, and we are, there's about 500 people that we just aren't, aren't sure how it is. So we call, we visit. We don't harass. Some people are like, oh no, I moved. Oh, listen, if you move, would you let us know? Because we're responsible before God for you. So if you're going to move, moving, we're going to pray for you here in a minute. If you're going to move, would you let us know so that we know that we're no longer responsible before God? And then you find another church. You plugged in. Unless you, of course, you're going to start a life group or do something crazy like that. Plant a church Kingsman, Arizona. I think it's so funny. One of our great leaders, Dawn, who's sitting right in front of me here, she's moving and she's going to Kingsman, Arizona. I just think it's funny. Would you just lift your hand? Father, we pray for our beloved sister. Would you put a hand on her right there? We pray for her right now. Would you send her out, God, with power and authority? You have used her mightily as a life group leader, as a servant here in children's kids' church. And God, you've used her powerfully as an intercessor, so faithful in prayer, so faithful to serve. God, would you bless her as you've led her now to Arizona. Use her powerfully. Oh God, I pray, give us a harvest out of Kingsman, Arizona. In Jesus' name, we send her with the blessing of God. We send her with our prayer. Thank you for dawn sister. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
And we're sending out the Haggerty's to Arizona very shortly, planting a church in Tucson. We're sending out Pia and Chaplain Rick going over to Indonesia. Amen. In September, you're on a plane and you go. How many weeks? Three weeks. We're sending the Chewies who are they're in the lower 48, tying some things up. They're, Mike and Kathy, we're sending them to England. Why would we do that? Because it's like, it's like the lost coin. That is what the church is supposed to do, supposed to send out missionaries, supposed to release people, is supposed to do anything you can do to reach the lost at any cost. We got the birthday of the king. Birthday of the kings, it's costly. It's gonna be in our new building. Come on, somebody say that. Okay, so here in just a couple of weeks, when, when is that, Minister Micah? Minister Micah somewhere. When is that, when are the tryouts? Put the slide up. Do you have a slide for me? On September 10th, do you have a slide or no slide? On September 10th, it was in the announcements, on September 10th, Pastor Chris Davis will be here and we'll be doing auditions, not for tech. If you want to serve behind the scenes, it's... You don't, don't come at that time. It's for parts. It's a musical. It's a powerful allegory. It's like Dr. Seuss meets uh, C.S. Lewis kind of mashup. So powerful. Why would we do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, it builds relationships within the church. That's, that's called like an in-reach. That's good. How many of you know it's good to get to know people who serve and labor among you? But the other reason is, and we're gonna do it for about five days. We're making it longer than usual. Why? I'm gonna put tickets in your hand, gonna invite you to bring everybody you can, and we're gonna pack that place out. Why? Because at the end, there is a powerful altar call and a moment where people can, can, can receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's gonna cost us thousands of dollars to do that. Well, I should go towards a building. Listen, if you think that way, then you never reach anybody. You have to. We're going to visit all those homes. We're going to send people out. We're going to plant churches. We're going to pray. We're going to witness. We're starting all kinds of things to reach the native community. Why would we do that? Because that is what we're called to do. And if you ever lose that focus, you have lost it. It is about souls. Come on, someone say it's about souls. It's about souls. You ought to rejoice a little bit more than that. Come on, moment longer here. We must focus in on the importance of the individual, to love people, to care for people. That's what Jesus did. And don't be intimidated, lastly, don't be intimidated by the cost, by the price, paying the price. Finances, hard work, reaching out, praying. We are not gonna shrink back. The kingdom of God expands. It is an aspect of the kingdom is that it's constantly growing. Mustard seed to a tree that a bird can land on. It's a picture of growing. Jesus cursed the fig tree because it didn't bring forth fruit. We are mandated by heaven to bring forth fruit. Oh, and he's chosen us, John 15 appointed us to bear forth fruit and fruit that remains. How many of you say, I'm going to do my part? Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm going to do my part. Raise your hand. You say, I'm going to do my part to, to build the kingdom, to reach the lost. Awesome. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you're not right with God. 
want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, you want to make a recommitment to him because you drifted in your commitment, perhaps. Maybe you've got compromise in your life. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. You've never done it before. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Number two, you, you've drifted in your commitment. You're not living 100% for God. You need to repent. You need to come home. Or number three, you just want to be assured of your salvation. Devil lies to you. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you believe that he died on the cross and rose again from the grave. You want to ask him to be your Lord and Savior. First time, recommit, or you just want to be sure. All across this place, you say, that's me. On the count of three, would you slip your hand up? One, two, three. Do it right now. God bless you. God bless you. Lift your hand high. God bless you, son. All the way in the back, I see that hand. Come on, God bless you. Now, this is the time where the church should be like, yes! Come on, put your hands together and rejoice. Would you stand up on your feet? Come on, stand up on your feet. Now, if you lifted your hand or you didn't, but you know you need to be included in this prayer, just pray this with me right out loud. Right out loud. There'll be others praying with you. You ready? Repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. Thank you for loving me and thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill and touch and baptize these afresh with your power and that you, God, would write upon the fleshly tablets of our heart the great importance of reaching the hurting and the lost, the lame, the halt, the rich, the poor, that we would reach people. Give us souls, oh God. Would you say that? Give us souls, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Did you get something from the Lord? Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.